Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out... One hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome back to the flagship show. Uh, no Dan this week, unfortunately we had to move to, uh, to Tuesday this week, um, but Dan will be back uh, next week. Uh, so it's me, but don't worry, as always, I'm not alone. I have an amazing guest. Um, and also just as a reminder that the Dynasty show starts in a little over an hour so we're the warm-up act to the real stars of the Five Yard Rush Network. Um, so do make sure you stay on after this show uh, and check out all the great work uh, that the boys are doing over there because it's just amazing content by Liam and Rich, uh, what they're producing with the draft uh, and rookies, etc. So make sure you do that. But like I said, got an amazing, amazing guest with me. Um, really good friend of mine so glad that uh we could we could get him back on he is the king of the auction he is the lawyer fantasy football lawyer extraordinaire he writes for football guys he has an amazing podcast called the auction brief um and he's just overall one of the nicest guys that you'll uh, you'll ever have the pleasure of interacting with on twitter and i know a lot of our followers who joined in last year um really made the most of of interacting with him and i know he, he did a great job so drew davenport of football guys in the auction brief thank you so much for coming back how are you my man i'm doing great that's quite an introduction thank you um i counted like three amazings in there i'm gonna have to see if my wife can work more like amazing <laughs> into our conversations on a daily basis I tell you I'm what, if she great. doesn't, if she doesn't, um, download WhatsApp. I'll send you a daily voice note with ha- telling you how amazing you are. <laughs> you that sounds play great. That. I, I need more amazing in my life. Thanks Absolutely. for having me, man. This is cool. No, I don't know. It's it's great to have you. Um, now, I, I kind of want to before we get into a little bit about what you've been up to. I just want to say we're going to kind of evolve this. You were on last year. Mm-hmm. I think the episode was May thirty first, June first. Make sure you check it out. Um, because we're not going to rehash old ground. What we want to do is establish 
um, auction play, especially in the UK. It's something that's been around a lot of years, but there hasn't been a lot of content and a lot of drive to play it. It's still quite a, a small um, percentage of people play it. However, I noticed that when we did this episode a year ago, loads of amazing feedback. One of the most talked about episodes of last year. So go back and listen to that episode as a precursor to this. Make sure you listen to Drew's podcast, which we're going to mention in a minute as well. Um, but I just want to caveat that if you are listening as an extension, and you missed that first part, make sure you go back and listen to that after this one, because uh, there's a lot of great content in there. But how, how's things? Because like, it's been almost a year since you've been on. What have, uh, what have you been up to other than crushing poker and, uh, and, and more auction tournaments and another King's Classic belt? Yeah, gosh, the King's Classic thing is wild, man. I, You know, I have very few times gone back-to-back in a fantasy league in general. To go back-to-back in King's Classic was one of the highlights of my life. Like, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. And I say one of the highlights. That doesn't mean it passed, you know, my wedding day or my kids or whatever. But that was awesome. Um, I consider myself extremely fortunate to have done that. That takes a lot of luck and a lot of things to line up, as you know. But, you know, just um, trying to keep pushing the auction stuff. And I realized that there's just so much legal stuff coming out all the time. These threads are great, on, but, you know, 20% of the world or something like that's on Twitter. So I decided to take my talents to TikTok and see if that's going to work. I don't know how that's going to go, but um, if you want to check out some of the legal stuff that's happening, it's a much more fluid, you know, easy way for me to talk to people about what's going on with legal stuff. So I've been starting that up, and we'll see how that goes. In a bit of a, bit of a lull right now, but it's getting <laughs> ramped up to the season. Well, that's it. And the TikTok channel is so good. Now, this is how good it is. I refuse to do TikTok. Um, I'm just one of these people that tend to be a late adopter to certain things. I was a late adopter to uh, Twitter. I was a late adopter to Instagram. TikTok was always going to be something I was probably even never going to do or because I always find the dances and all that annoying. You did your thread, and I was like, right, well, if you're going to be on TikTok, I'm going to be on TikTok. So I literally have created a TikTok account just to watch your video. I might occasionally post some content. I don't know. I'm certainly not at the moment thinking about it, but that's how good the content is that Drew puts out because the thread you put out about Alvin Kamara, and we'll get to that in a minute, was it really made me stop and think because I, yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I just it's really made me hit the pause button a little bit on, on, on some of the things I was doing with him. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's quite a compliment uh, that you (laughs) signed up for TikTok for me, but uh, yeah, I just found that like I was putting out these huge threads and people like them. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, 30 tweet threads or whatever. I'm like, I can do a couple minutes on TikTok and hit so much more because there's a lot of nuance to some of this stuff that you just can't hit in a thread. Mm. And also, I know it seems like fence-sitting a little bit, but sometimes when you have a situation, you're like, all right, this could happen or this could happen. And sometimes you can't always make the call, but you want to put the options out there so at least people can hear that and say, all right, I believe in this or I believe in that, and they can act based on that. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's a fluid situation, isn't it? Um, We talk about the the Sean Watson situation. That's, you know, you wrote a huge thread over and over again about Sean Watson because it was a fluid situation. And, okay, that situation seems to be coming to a conclusion from a legal standpoint. It's still not over. There's still, you know, cases to settle and 
uh, civil stuff, but the criminal side seems to be at least at this moment settled. Um, so it's just one of those things, isn't it? You're never going to be, you're not the lawyer of the case. You don't have all the facts. You can only take exactly. what's in the public domain. And I think that's what you do is you kind of take that, what's out there, you condense it into what's true and extrapolate all the noise and all the stuff that doesn't matter. And you, you take out the conjecture. You kind of just give an informed opinion, which is what people want. And that's why those threads are, are so popular. But I look forward to uh, the TikToks as well, because uh, I think there it's There will be, be no dancing. <laughs> Good. In <laughs> second, you do a proper dance. The only time I allow a dance is a victory dance, either if you win a lot of money at poker. Mm. Or okay. you win another King's Classic belt. If you win three in a row, you're definitely allowed to do some form of dance. Yeah, like I'm, it's going to be mandatory at that point. I'll have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it's a phenomenal achievement. I mean, you have in your King's Classic league, you have some big hitters. The reason we talk about it is because it's such a... I mean, you're talking about... How many people are in it now? It's got 48. So got a, uh, it's 48 a, people in total. It's a 14 teamer now. It used to be 12, 42. but now it's 14. So it's uh, 20. There's 42, mm. I believe, total because there's an online division now. So there's two that drafted the Hall of Fame and then one online division with some international folks. Yeah, um, which I'm lucky enough and blessed enough uh, to be in. And uh, Stocks and I were very close to taking the snake draft it's two different leagues in each league so you do a snake and an auction and stocks and i got pipped in the final to uh good friends of ours coke coke holiday from south africa and peter Gent of germany so uh, they're the, officially the first ever international winners of a belt which is annoying but um it was an all international <laughs> final so at least you know um the international players are starting to stand up and be represented but it was to be honest it was a tough league because um I don't know, is Tags in your well was Tags in your division or was he He in, was, yeah. Yeah, so Tags yeah, is in your t- division and then he came to our division because of the COVID. Mm-hmm. Um and he couldn't make the um couldn't make the the event, he couldn't make the King's Classic because of the fact that he had COVID and then obviously mm-hmm. lost that battle to, to COVID. And that was a really difficult um, yeah. situation for, for everyone. Bob, uh, who organized the King Classic, Bob Lund did an amazing job with uh, donating a lot of money to, to their course and yeah. to the family yeah uh tags was in our division you know marcus grant um we we had a couple new additions this past year because of covid and because some people didn't want to make the trip uh which which you know i understood but uh you know guys like um chris allen and uh mike woolert um ryan mcdowell um uh, geez, Darren Armani, uh, Brian Drake, and Steve Rappin, Doug Orth, Matt Donnelly, Mauricio Gutierrez. There's just some of the guys. Scott Pianowski was in there last year. That is one tough customer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so Mauricio and uh, and Matt were in my division last uh, year, but then because they were able to go, that's where some of the shuffling was. The so tags right. came out, and that was going to be a temporary. I think one-off swap for COVID, but I don't know what's going to happen going forward. But you know, what, uh, Rick, let me say real quick: the this is what I love about you. You have this very mild-mannered personality, but I can tell that you were kind of hacked off. You didn't get to be called the first international winner, and I love that because I, you know, I know there's there's some competitiveness there, 
that you don't uh, you don't let it out of the cage very much. But I I saw it when you said, yeah, yeah that was kind of annoying. But anyway, congrats <laughs> to him. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's great. I uh, yeah, I that is very much me to a T. I'm always a I'm I'm one of those guys. If they pan to the Oscars uh, and I didn't win, I'd be the guy that you saw see Joey in the Friends episode at first, and then I'd remember yeah. and go like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Mean, time time's a great healer. No, uh, yeah, I I am a very competitive. If you weren't competitive, I don't know why you'd be playing. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I agree. So I do get I do get cheesed off when I don't win. Um, but having said that, I'm always grateful if i lose to good people now, if i lose to someone i hate or it's real jerk, that's worse yes that's oh, a lot yeah. worse yeah. <laughs> luckily that doesn't happen too often um let's just touch upon we'll get into the auction stuff in just a second um mm-hmm. let's touch upon alvin kamara because as i said you released this or oh, this video on tiktok uh this past weekend and like i said it stopped me dead in my tracks because i for my you know, lack of really delving into the situation. Um, I just thought, okay, he, it was a nightclub brawl. He was arrested. No real charges seem to have been sort of filed. He's, you know, there's no court date. It's not really been talked about in the media. Nothing seems to be, you know, it's it's not like what happened when Tyree Kill had his offense or, or Kareem Hunt or, you know, all of these things, you just think, okay, it's just one of those incidents. If there was a video, it was probably going to come out by now. It hasn't. It seems like something that's just going to get swept under the carpet. He maybe gets a small ban, but it's not going to be anything tragic. Um, but you, uh, you are a lot more enlightened than I am, my friend. And you, uh, yeah, that's not the case, is it? <laughs> well, they, you know, it, it can feel like they're trying to sweep it under the rug because things take a little while. But the one thing I did say in that video is that this is a felony charge now. So, felony level uh stuff over here and and i know that so we've got a little bit of uh translation to do here because i know that a lot of your audience is over in the uk uh, essentially the most serious criminal charge is a felony and then the least uh less serious charges are called misdemeanors so the felony charges is what you really have to be aware of because the charge uh that they've got which is called battery with substantial physical harm is because they broke this guy's orbital bone and it elevated it to a felony charge. The problem with that is there's mandatory prison time if you're convicted of that charge. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be because it doesn't look like he has any prior history. He's also charged with a misdemeanor because there were three other people there. And the misdemeanor part of it is called conspiracy to commit battery. So just because there was a group of people. And I would guess that at some point it'll be pled down to something like a misdemeanor. So it's a little bit lower charge. But the one thing that I always tell people is, without getting lost in the weeds, if you pull back to like a 30,000-foot view and you say, well, what's going on with the case? The main thing that I said in my video that I'm still concerned about is this video. We don't know whether it's going to be released or not. We may never see that. That video may never see the light of day. Then again, it may get leaked. And if it does, the one thing I always say is, you can count on the NFL to protect itself when it comes to their image. So they may think something different and, and that's exactly what happened with ray rice and same thing with kareem hunt as soon as we knew what happened but as soon as the video evidence of what happened came out that's when the nfl stood up and did something and that's when teams rushed to sort of protect themselves and their image so that's the that's the thirty thousand foot view hey if this video comes out how outraged are, are they going to be what are they going to do to alvin kamara when and if it does come out yeah and so for someone who is was rising 
he was rising in ADP. He went from ADP 18 to ADP 9 pre-start of the league year to just last week. Um, so he was someone who, okay, Jameis Winston's gone in, so and they signed Andy Dalton. So that took away the risk of Taysom Hill being anywhere near the football from a, a quarterback standpoint and therefore was going to allow Kamara to see uh, a return and an and upside potential. So, And I expect his price would have continued to rise. But I think with what you're saying is it, it's probably not wise to spend the first-round pick on a guy who could be released. If, if that video goes, you know, the, the history of this is Kareem Hunt. He got released. Uh, and the Saints, are, you know, they don't have... You know, if it was Sean Payton still there, I would say maybe they try and ride it out. Sean Payton's been there forever and a day. He's got the reputation to where he could probably ride it out because he's won a Super Bowl there and, and you, yeah. you get a bit of extra credence um, and time when you've earned. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. A, a level of respect. Dennis Allen is a new head coach. And all right, he's not a new head coach because it's his second time and he's been there a long time. But right. he's not going to be able, he doesn't have that capital to mm-hmm. to be yeah. able to do anything other than cut him. It's it's just, it's going to be yeah. very, very difficult for them if a video comes out to, to hold on to him. It is. And and the problem from our perspective is we don't know when that other shoe is going to drop. And and so what's funny is I made a video la- end of last week or this weekend about Kamara. And then I said, hey, look, there's a court date on Monday, which was yesterday. And I said, when that court date happens, things might change. And they did. And that's the problem with this case, because every time something new happens, I'm going to probably change my opinion. And I know a lot of people say like, oh, well, you were saying this and now you're saying this. And it's like, well, yeah, I got new information. I mean, isn't that what you want from me? You want me to adjust when I get new information. And here's the thing. On Monday, they continued the case until August. And not only did they put it off to August, but it's not like set for trial or something in August. It's still a pre-trial phase, which means that in August, if they ask for a trial, that could push it back into the season. And then... Like I said in my video, the, 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 it doesn't take a, a genius to figure out that one more continuance may push it past the NFL season altogether. Now, we don't know any of that. That's the problem. We don't know exactly. Maybe they come in August and they have a deal, and it's all set up, and he pleads to a misdemeanor, and they suspend him for two to four games, and, hey, he's playing by October. But we just don't know that, and that's the real problem here. That's the uncertainty and the volatility, especially as we sit here in April, Man, it's really hard to put much draft capital in this guy. 
And, and the last thing I'd say is, you know, my first video talked about how I was concerned about 2022. And if this video came out, how many games he would get, like he might not play at all in 2022. Now my concern has shifted a little bit more towards 2023. And that's like, if, if you're talking dynasty versus redraft, as we get closer to the season, if nothing big drops, if this video isn't out, and if they haven't settled the case, maybe you feel a little bit better about redraft. But that's in a couple months. I'm not going to feel comfortable about that until we get a little closer to the season. But as far as dynasty goes, then you're talking about 2023. Because if they resolve it after the season, and if something big comes out, or if he's forced to plead to a felony, you know, Antonio Brown got eight games. He didn't even injure the guy. He played guilty on a, on a felony um, battery-type charge in Florida. He didn't even injure this person and got eight games. If this dude's got a broken orbital bone and the report says that Kamara was hitting him after he was unconscious on the ground, man, I think eight games is a starting point. So the volatility is just off the charts with Kamara right now. Yeah, and I think it's it's very difficult to, again, judge what's going to happen. And so... You know, at this stage of the season, there aren't many people doing uh, a start-up redraft league. So, you know, there is some time here. But in Dynasty, it's something to think about. If you get a decent offer for a player who is, how old is Alvin Kamara now? 27, 28? You know, we're not talking about a player who, at the running back position, is going to be around for the next five years. We're talking about a player who has two, three years of elite production left, Max. And if he's going to be under threat of missing time in one of those seasons he becomes a diminished cost. And if a lot of people aren't clued up, now might yeah. not be a bad time to get a good offer for, for Alvin Kamara. That's exactly what I've been saying. If somebody's going to give you 80 cents on the dollar, I think I'm in at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just want to cover off very quickly the auction brief. Uh, I know you've not done many episodes mm-hmm. this off-season, um, but you have done a couple, and it was an amazing podcast that ran through last season. Um, some amazing guests with um, you know Brian Drake on. You had um, uh, Matthew Berry. Uh, you had mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of guests on. Um, phenomenal podcast. Tell everyone about why it's unique and why you're able to get such amazing guests on your part well gosh i feel fortunate to have gotten the guests that i've gotten um and i think a large part of that is really that's really helped is is making connections through king's classic and through the canton um the fantasy football expo that's definitely helped uh but it is a different format and when you say tell everyone why it's different i think there's a couple reasons number one is the auction stuff i don't know any podcast out there that are pushing only auction stuff, except one other one. That's um, some guys from Canada who I really like. Shout out to that uh, to the auction podcast there. But that's one of them. But I also have developed the show itself. When I first started, it was about was supposed to be a little bit about you know life and how we how we navigate life and how we succeed at life and make our way through through our daily lives. And I was a little bit scared when I started it up because I didn't want people to leave because they were bored with some of that. But the more I found my legs and found my audience, there's been a little bit more of that. So maybe the first, I don't know, 15 to 30 minutes of every show, talk a little bit about life and life lessons. And then I throw in some poker lessons in there. Um, And then, you know, we get to general fantasy stuff. We don't just talk auction. My guests talk everything. 
So we talked general fantasy stuff and hit the auction. So it's really a wide range of topics that we get to. I do think it is unique, and I'm hoping that people enjoy that uniqueness. And I, I do think it's working because, boy, the show's grown faster than I thought it would. I haven't done a lot of shows in the off season, but we're about to ramp up to weekly shows here in about a month. Amazing. And it is a fantastic podcast. So please do subscribe. You can find it on all podcast um, channels and networks and, and everything mm-hmm. else. So do make sure you can uh, and do subscribe because you're missing out. Even if you're only going to play one auction league this year, it's still packed full of information. that's going to help you in other formats, especially the legal updates, especially just some of the strategy pieces that I love it because I'm a big strategy guy. Like that for me is the me most under talked about element of fantasy football. Anyone could tell you what guy to pick. Anyone could tell you uh, rankings and higher and lower, but in season management is the reason why people win leagues consistently mm-hmm. because it's knowing when to pivot, when to move away from your initial takes with new information and when to be brave, take risks, um, yeah. knowing who to have on your bench, knowing when to recycle your bench. Um, so I think that's a massively underutilized area. So, Murph, I want to say thanks for bringing that up because I appreciate you noticing that. I One of the things that I find to be, like, just like you said, very underappreciated part of this game is that we do – it is a game. Mm. And I understand that everybody wants to be the best at evaluating talent. And, and I was on the sleeper before you, and, and I picked this rookie before – you know, I get that. And that's fun, and that's part of the fun of it. However, I want to win, you know, and so I'd spend a lot of time talking about how do we win at fantasy football, regardless of the football side of it. I know that sounds weird, but how do we play this game better and how does that help us get across the finish line for a Super Bowl? Because that's what we're doing here, right? Yeah, 100 percent. And I think, you know, I am I learned a lot of lessons over the last few years, but more so I finished. Um, in the Warrior Bowl, it was 240 participants in his first year. I finished as the runner-up, and uh, again, I love finishing second in big tournaments, as you're kind of getting a feel for, right? Shout out to Steve Perkins, who's in our mock draft group that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he beat me in that. Um, that's how we became good friends. So it was worth it. Um, <laughs> not bitter, uh, but I, I looked back at the team that I drafted, and it was one of the worst drafts I've ever done. And I, I say that hands down. It was one of the worst drafts ever done. I probably, with the exception of Josh Allen, uh, who I took in, I think, the sixth round or, or maybe a bit earlier, um, I think there was maybe one or two other players, uh, Alvin Kamara, um, but I missed so many players. I literally recycled 70 to 80% of the entire roster by the end of the season. I just ruled the wire. I just knew when to take shots on players when to stock up on handcuffs. And there is a time when you need to do that. You need to have more handcuffs on your bench than you would normally carry because the greater the, the, the long shot, if it comes in, the greater the reward. And when you've got fine margins, especially when you've only got good teams left, i.e. the playoffs, mm-hmm. I mean, if you stash Dari Ngubawale, um, that's going to be made into a meme or something. Uh, if you stashed him last year, you are 
you, you know, you played him. In fact, he cost me the King's Classic belt because Peter and everyone took him the week before. He wasn't on the waiver wire. That's how you win leagues, is you win them through... It's That's not luck. You know, that is, that is the skill element of the game where you see opportunities where handcuffs could play a big part and you make sure that they're not available to the masses. Um, yeah. And that's how you do well. I think it's such an important part. Um, and whilst we're getting on to strategy, we're going to do the auction uh, 102, I've called this. But before I do that, on the bottom of the screen, do have the winners. I did promise everyone JJ Zacharis was on last week and for supporting him uh, on his endeavor of launching late round uh, fantasy, I said I'd buy three guides uh, for the rookie prospect guides. The winners are on the screen at Waldford, at Luke underscore UKFS, at ABFCJPS. Um, so that's Luke. Uh, Luke and James, congratulations. I'll be in touch. Get your email addresses and make sure you get those tonight um, so that you've got them ready for the draft. So congratulations to you for winning those guides, and I'll be in touch after the show. Um, so let's hit up the um, let's hit up some auctions. We talked about, we did this episode a year ago, May 31st, June 1st. Make sure you go and listen to that. Um, just a quick recap, because I want to redo the whole thing. What are some quick tips that people can kind of just as a 101 level, some things that they can do just to get a, a basic edge in auction drafts or basic preparation or just some really simple sort of what I call entry level tips for people who perhaps haven't played an auction draft before and are listening to this for the first time? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things you can do that can sort of give you what I like to call bumpers on the bowling alley. You know, you can, there's some things you can set up ahead of time that kind of give you guidelines so that you don't just completely go off the rails. Uh, one of those things is that I like to come up with, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this uh, down the road uh, from some of the questions I'm seeing that we're going to hit here, but, but I want to just briefly mention one of those things is coming up with exact values for what you want to spend at each position. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to going into an auction and trying to be flexible, but I really think for if you're starting out, you want to have an exact number by each position on your roster. And I mean every position. So if you only want to spend a dollar on the last five spots, that's fine. Go write $1 next to those spots so that you know, and then, mm-hmm. and then you have your, it's basically, it's a way to, when you're in the heat of the moment and things have just started, and let's say, you know, you've already got one of your top guys and then another top guy comes up and you're like, oh, I really want that guy. And then you look down at your sheet and you're like, I can't spend 27 more dollars than I intended on this player. And then that helps you in the heat of the moment when the blood's boiling, and you're excited about drafting to just calm down and, and go with your sheet. So that's the first thing I'd tell you to do is, is have those exact numbers. You don't have to stick exactly to them, but you need to have them there so that in that moment when you're like, do I bid? Do I bid? You look down and you say, no, I can't do that. Or, or yes, what am I waiting on? I should be bidding. That kind of thing. So that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is that you really have to take your preparation to a new level when you're in an auction. And the way I, a lot of people say, well, what does that mean? I say, well, I, I make the, this analogy. If you are in the middle of an auction and there are three, let's talk about three different running backs. Okay. So one running back has already been um, auctioned off and he went for $45. And then you have two other guys who have not been auctioned off, but somebody nominates one of those two. Now those 
three guys are right next to each other, ranked right next to each other. Let's say they're ranked six, seven, eight. And then the first guy went for 45. Now number seven's up for auction right now. And number eight still has not been auctioned off. So you've got these three guys. The the auction demands that you know what you think about all three guys. So you have to not only know what you think about all three of them, but know how you value them as far as like rare, uh, excuse me, raw dollar values. But also, how do they bounce off of each other? How, how do you compare this guy to this guy and the guy who hasn't been bid on to the guy who's being bid on? So the, the relationship between those three, how do you rank them? How do you feel they should be valued? All of that is so much more complicated than it is in a regular snake draft. So what I say is go, go down the list and just those guys who are grouped close together, think to yourself, who do I want out of this group and this tier? And and compare in your brain, hey, if that comes up at that moment, which guy do I like more? And and you're going to have to do that the entire time you're in an auction. So the level of preparation is just much higher. you got to be more prepared. That's just the bottom line. So can, I, can I give you an yeah. analogy for this, right? Because yeah, I, yeah. I did this last year. Because you're right, you've got to evaluate every single player pretty much, or at least mm-hmm. the top 150 players. Um, and I liken this, and you might laugh, I liken this to, you know when you get some dropouts at your wedding, and you've got to decide who you're going to promote from the evening guest to, to the main day. And you've got a literal dollar amount. It's like, okay, is that person worth spending £150 or $200 on for their seat? Like, do I like that person enough to warrant spending that kind of money on them? Because that's exactly how you view it. Because your wedding, it's your money, it's your costs, more than likely. And you have to make decisions between a group of five or ten people. And it's a case of which one is worth that dollar value. And I find evaluating auction players very similar to picking my guest list at my wedding. Um, when I get vacancies, I have my set list, but if for some reason they get priced out, they go, I need to come up with a backup and I need to think about. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Who I might need to slightly overpay for because I really don't want anyone else of that tier. Um, and if so, how much I want to overspend if I feel like I have to. And then if I do overspend, where am I going to allocate those resources? So it is a, yeah, it, it's a funny exercise, and it's very strange if you've never done it before. But once you do it a few times, it does come to you pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, I think that when you get in there, you'll realize there is a certain 
point at which you don't want to have a guy in your starting lineup like below a certain point. Mm. So you should isolate that ahead of time. You should be like, okay, well, I don't want my RB1 to be below this point. And that really helps you to have almost like a top gun reference, like a hard deck. Like you don't want to go below the hard deck for your RB1. So when things are starting to thin out above that that hard deck, you know you got to jump in there. And sometimes you're going to have to pay a little bit more. But isolating those spots at which you say, hey, I don't want my tight end to be below this guy. I don't want my wide receiver three to be below this guy. I don't want my QB one to be below this guy. That really helps ahead of time too. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'd tell you that I, I kind of forgot about, but I think it's really important too. When you're starting out, you just need to wait a little while when you're in your first auction. Don't jump in and buy like three guys in the first two rounds. You're going to be sorry that you did that. Spend some time sitting back, and the great David Dodds said this, and I totally agree. He says sometimes he'll even wait like 100 players in to see what is happening. And I think that's too much. I think it's too aggressive. But I do think that you can go like four or five rounds and maybe only buy like one elite guy and just see how the draft's unfolding. And I really believe that that this gives you an advantage when you're just starting out because you're going to see how the room itself is unfolding before you're diving in with 60 and 70 dollar players yeah absolutely um it's a mistake that we've all made and if you make mm-hmm. that mistake or you have made that mistake everyone i know has made that mistake i still make that mistake i did it in auction draft last year i panicked at qb they were running off the board it meant i had to go the rest of the season without a third qb and i had to wait and hopefully someone got promoted from waivers and i ended up getting taylor heineke as a result and it, it worked out like luckily i prescott and allen and i was like okay Not in bad. a super flex and i was like okay i'm just gonna have to eat the the, the mm. bye weeks and just go okay well what happens then is what happens um but that's life. Like, um, but I shoehorned myself into that position because I, I let other QBs go off the board and was like, that's fine, that's fine. And the teardrop was Dak Prescott or Matt Ryan. Ooh. And I was like, that's I'm just going to have to pay up here because, yeah. and if I don't get another QB, I don't get another QB. That I'm just yeah. going to have to take that risk because I can't have Matt Ryan in a super flex. Mm-hmm. There's a huge he's... difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it was the right decision because I made the playoffs i think i made the final semi-final anyway i went as far as i could go with that team whereas if i'd gone with matt ryan i wouldn't have got there because i would not have had the the wins i might have strengthened elsewhere but it was too much of a gap um and i think that's a really key point is knowing knowing those thresholds is, is really key yep. um so going into i want to go into some deeper strategy now because i feel like people yep. that listened to this last year they got a good base. They they understand. They've made mistakes. We've talked about some of the things they can correct, and that's great. And they can go back and listen to last year's show, and they can listen to the auction brief. But I want to get into some very sort of scenario-based um, strategy because I feel sure. like some of this is um, really key because I find these are probably the most common areas of mistake from, I don't want to say like new players, but I don't want to say overly seasoned players. Like that intermediate, you've done a few auction drafts, but you're not like, You've not done 100. Um, And so the first one is around running backs because of the fact that it's such a a volatile position and there's so much change. If you get your RB strategy wrong or you're well out on it, you're pretty much done for the year. 
um, in fantasy football. So, in the scenarios, it's sort of four schools of thought I bucketed them into. So, blowing pretty much your most of your budget on two elite names. So, two top five, two top seven running backs, say. Um, one of them being like your Jonathan Taylor or your Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, etc. Um, blowing the second scenario is blowing a, a decent chunk on one of those RBs. Um, and then, but not on both. And then sort of maybe going for like a low end RB two type is your second. And then you just scale a load of guys in that pool. The third scenario is going for two low end ish RB ones, maybe sort of high end RB twos anchoring the position, maybe not getting the upside, but getting a nice safe floor. It's not going to cost you the premium to do so, but at least you've got some solid floor and, and safe play there. Or just basically the <laughs> zero RB, punt the position, spend the money elsewhere, um, and then just take guys where there's values later on in the draft. Um, and you might get a top guy later on, or you might not. It depends how people spend their money. In terms of those schools of thoughts, based on your knowledge and experience, and I appreciate this probably changes every year, so this is a very difficult question. Which of those approaches, if you were playing the game, knowing what you know now, and you were getting back into it sort of for the first time, what would be the sort of approach that you would use to kind of anchor your team at this position because it's such a pivotal position, and why would you choose that as a... And appreciate you're not going to predetermine the strategy because yeah. you've got to base it on the room. But if you had to pick one, yeah. um, why would you pick it based on models of success and probability? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It does change, but it doesn't change as much as you'd think at the running back spot. Now, it may change a little, a lot more um, at, at like quarterback and tight end, that kind of thing on different leagues. But I tend to attack the running back spot fairly similar, similarly in most drafts. I, w- I appreciate the fact that zero running back can be successful in a snake. I don't believe that's the correct strategy in an auction because I think that there is enough deals on the board that you don't have to go completely zero RB. You just That's not necessary. I understand in a snake it's different because you're stockpiling all this awesome talent early in the draft at other positions, and then you're trying to hit on running back later. But, but the auction doesn't demand you do that because you can apportion your money and you can have your cake and eat it too. So um, I don't believe that zero RB is right for auctions. Um, I also don't believe that two big RBs is correct for auctions either because, uh, like you said, you referenced the volatility. But what it does is it really locks you in to the rest of what you have to do with your roster. And, and the weird part that I find, and it happens year in and year out, is that everyone values the running back points more than the wide receiver points. And I understand that the scarcity argument, and everyone says that, well, it's because they're scarce and, and they're more expensive because there's there's so few guys that are bell cow running backs. And you got to get one of them. And I get all those arguments. I, I truly do. But it's wild to me that, for instance, last year in the Kings Classic, I got Devontae Adams for 42 bucks. Now, all the top running backs were going for over 50 bucks and, you know, up to $60. And I think, well, that's crazy because why should Devontae Adams be a $15 cheaper than one of those top running backs? So I think people get carried away with the running backs. And so the the way that I've done it is I I think it's the new phrase is now called hero running back that you re- you referenced. I like the anchor. I like the, I want to go get one guy. 
And and here's the thing. I am not a advocate of going and grabbing one of the top couple of guys in an auction because I do think that the volatility, for instance, if you paid up for Christian McCaffrey last year hmm. uh, or Derrick Henry or something like that, it, it's not that I think that's a terrible move. It's just that I find it much harder to get a good roster when I'm paying the 60 or 65 range for that top running back. So instead, what I like to do is I like to slide a little bit down the RB1 rankings and hit that mid pocket of right around five, six, seven in that range and get one of those guys. And that worked to perfection last year. Again, just because it worked last year doesn't mean it's going to work again. But it's been, and I'll explain that a little in a little bit, but I got yeah. Austin Eckler last year in the Kings Classic. And that was the the perfect spot. It was that perfect sweet spot where I had him, and then I didn't want to worry about the RB2. So my I believe at this point my optimal strategy is, and I talked about this uh, on my show not long ago, and I don't know if you guys know the phrase, the hay is in the barn. Uh, I said, okay. So the, the phrase just basically means, hey, that's already done. That's already settled. The hay is already in the barn. Don't worry about it. So one thing I said that I believe the hay is almost in the barn is that RB2 matters less than ever before. And I do not care whatsoever who I have as my RB2. Now, I'm trying to get somebody at a reasonable price. And when I say I don't care, I do care. But my point being, I don't want to spend a lot of money on that. And I had a ton of success last year getting guys at RB2 like Chase Edmonds and Kareem Hunt and those kind of guys that nobody wants and nobody's excited about. You end up with guys like that for like 9 bucks or 11 bucks, or and that's exactly what I want to do. So I want to go strong RB1, but not the top. So I want to be spending in ideally the $40 to $48 range for an RB1. Um, and then I want to go and just fall off the fall off the map on my RB2. And I want to grab somebody who has a role, but who people are just aren't excited about, like a hunt or somebody like that, who might be in a timeshare. And then I'm going to stockpile two or three of those type of guys and then I'm going to throw the rest of my money at wide receivers. So to answer your question, I really believe it's a it's an anchor running back. And then I just um, I play the odds and I try to grab like three guys who I think can jump up and be an RB two on any certain week. So you're looking at if we were to equate it to this year's draft for people who mm-hmm. might listen to this like a month or two months from now, yeah. you're thinking like a Dalvin Cook, uh, a Najee Harris. Uh, Javante Williams, provided Melvin Gordon hasn't been signed. That right. maybe Leonard Fournette. They're right. the sort of guys that you're probably going to target. With reasonable yeah. DeAndre Swift, for example, kind of come in that mind. Yeah, the I think that you're exactly right. A couple of those guys, Fournette's going to be a big one for me this year. And uh, I, it's been wild. I've been seeing Fournette go really late in, in these snakes. I've not done an auction yet. Um, that's a when I say real, I've done some mocks, but I haven't done a actual like league where people have to start yeah. somebody every week and to see what Fournette's going to go for. But I think I'm going to have a lot of Fournette. I'm thinking I'm going to have a lot of uh, a couple of those guys you mentioned because yeah, you, I'm talking like mid to back half of the RB one. I don't really want to go low end RB one, and that's the interesting part about it. I do get a little bit nervous when I get down to that low end. Because guys like that, we're talking guys that, you know, like Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones that 
they have some volatility that I don't want. I want some rock solid, like, hey, I'm this guy's going to get this many targets and this much sort of involvement. And then I, that's why I feel comfortable being done with the RB2 because I know that there's that rock solid role there. Makes sense. Next question is around can you realistically grab a top five RB, a top five wide receiver, a top five quarterback, and still build a competitive roster? I don't think so. I, it, it is certainly possible. But if you're in a group of people that know what they're doing and have done auctions before, um, I just don't think it's possible because you're talking price tags. Now, a lot of the times, Murph, you and I, we're going to be drafting with other analysts. So they're really going to tank on quarterbacks. So I think it's a little easier to get a top five quarterback in one of those rooms. But in a typical draft room, if if you're playing with – you know, your buddies from home and you're going into an auction room, they're going to spend a lot of money on Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And they're going to, that's, I think the combination of say, like you end up having to spend 31 bucks on, on Jackson. And then you end up spending, um, okay, well, who's a guy that uh, we could talk about? Let's say Derek Henry, you end up spending uh, 52 on Henry and then you go for a top wide receiver. Now, the wide receivers are a little bit cheaper. Maybe you get them for 45 But you can see what that does to your budget. And I don't know that you can build a really deep team. Your starting lineup may be okay. But I don't know that you can build the team that I want to build grabbing that much talent. It's fun. And I tell you what, in a 10-teamer or lower, 10 or 8 teams, I think you should be doing that. Uh, because it's easier to put together the team off the waiver wire or and, and just the player pools deeper by the end of the draft to, to be able to pick up you know nuggets at the end. But in your 12 teams and up, I just don't think it's possible to do. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just very, very hard, and especially if you're in a room full of competent drafters. Yeah, completely agree. Um, nomination strategy. Now, I find this is something that people just ignore. Right? They just don't really focus on it. They either pick a player that they want or they pick a player they've got absolutely no interest in. And that is literally the thought process that that is done in a nomination. It just gets thrown away and it's it's done. Yeah. Um, and it's so wrong. So talk about why nominations matter and what are some of the things people should do. Um, and obviously each scenario is different. We're not going to be able to cover all scenarios here, but just under, just to get the understanding of why nominations are so important and some key tips and things that you should try and do with your nominations. Yeah, I, I agree, man. You know, it's, it's wild to me because here's how, here's the thing I always say to people. I think that really helps illustrate. There are so many things in an auction draft that you cannot control. You can't control when a player gets nominated. Uh, of course, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner you have your own nominations but you can't control when your league mates are going to nominate certain players you can't control how much you know your buddy over there is drinking and then he's going to do something wild and spend too much money on a player that you wanted 
or it, it, you can't control like, hey, this guy spent too much money on his um, his second quarterback, and now he doesn't have a wide receiver, so he goes crazy and spends too much on his wide receiver that you were going to get. Those are th- all things you can't control. Isolate the things you can control in an auction, and you end up steering the auction more than you think you will because – and let's say let's say that it only gives you a five percent edge. I mean, uh-huh. the, what I talk about with these with auction strategy is every little thing that you do stacks on top of each other. Okay, so I, I I'm good with my nomination strategy, mm-hmm. and then I learn a bit more about reading my play my my league, and then I learn a bit more about um, how I'm bidding, and then I learn a bit more about how I'm budgeting, and each one of those little advantages stacks on each other. And so what I say about nomination strategy is. You know, you only get a certain amount of nominations per draft. You could look at it from the negative and be like, "Ah, oh, why does it matter?" But I, I choose to look at it from the other side. That's one of those things that I can control during a draft. Why would I throw that away? Why would I just be like, "Ah, oh, who cares? I'll just nominate this guy." And that's what everybody does in an auction. I, I find that ninety-five percent of auction players do not have a a cogent nomination strategy. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that that was a long intro there, but let me just say a couple of tips about it. Um, number one, I would say later in a draft, I'm really a huge fan of what I call targeted nominations because you're going to get late in a draft. And if you're a good drafter, you're going to have more money than probably 75% of the league later on in a draft. And what you need to be doing is isolating what the players ahead of you really need and what you don't want and targeting the nominations to hit those players. So I think one thing that people don't do enough of is targeted nominations. Get some nominations out there that are, that are going to draw money from the teams that you need to draw money from, not just, hey, everybody likes this guy, I'll throw him out. No, say, okay, there's one guy that's got more money than me. What does he need and what can I hit him specifically with to draw money from him? That's one way, uh, targeted nominations. The other thing is I tell people I like to make a list of players that I want to nominate uh, and when I want to nominate them during the draft, when I think the optimum time, that doesn't always hold up when you get into the draft, but I may put on here, okay, I want this guy, um, I'm, I'm going to try him in the third round, or I'm going to try him uh, after these couple running backs are gone to see if I can get him cheaper because these guys are gone, or these guys are still on the board, so I can get him cheaper because people are waiting on these two and I can get this guy cheaper. So I have some specific players that I want, and so I'll make a list of those players that I really want and think, how can I maximize the potential when it's time to nominate them? And then on top of that, I'll have a list of players that I know that I can use sort of as weapons later in the draft. I absolutely don't want these guys, and I have to punt because I'm running low on money, and i got to punt a nomination. So I go to my other list and say, who can I can throw out there that I completely don't want that's just sort of a punt, like a placeholder, until I can get back around to my nomination the next round and do something I want? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's something I've been very bad at for a long time. It's something I've started to get a bit better at because you do just want to draw – you want to take money out of the auction that's not yours. Um, and if you can find people with lots of it and you can get them to spend some, they might get the player that they... That, too many people are afraid of that strategy because they're like, well, if I know that he's after... Let's say we're 10 rounds in and say uh, from last year, Antonio Brown was still on the board. You're like, well, they, they need a wide receiver too. So Antonio Brown is kind of the best of that. 
But I don't want to nominate him targeting that guy because I don't want him to end up getting Antonio Brown and he's got the most money, so he's likely to get Antonio Brown. But he could get Antonio Brown at any point anyway, so it doesn't matter. Like You'd rather him spend the money now and help you if you're going to compete. You both need a tight end one or a tight end two or, you know... Well, and, and let me let me jump in there and say too that that's a great example because sometimes then it's good to nominate him and sometimes it's good to wait because that's what gets into the psychology of the moment. If you know that they want that player, they're going to save their money for that player because they don't know how much they're going to spend on him. And this happens a lot in super flex auctions. People wait on quarterback because they think ah, I'm going to get a deal later, but then they're saving their money. They're hoarding their money for those quarterbacks. You can jump into the running backs and wide receivers and tight ends and be scooping up deals while they're over here hoarding their money because they don't have their quarterback yet. So sometimes it's good to leave them on the board and the person there is going to hoard their money. You're going to pick up deals while they're waiting to jump on Antonio Brown. Okay. It can Amazing. come both ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, this feeds on nicely to my next question, which is around online tells. Now, a lot of people in the UK are probably going to play their auctions online. That tends to be where most leagues happen. They tend to happen online. Very few live draft leagues. Um, But in terms of maybe if it's people they don't know or people who they kind of know from Twitter, but they probably don't know them that well, um, what are some of the tells, some of the things that they can look for in an online auction? that's going to allow them to get a bit of an advantage. You mentioned waiting and seeing what other people do to gather information, but what kind of Mm -hmm. information would you be looking for um, by waiting? Yeah, the online auctions are, um, they're much more difficult. And and I, I've always said this, that I'm a, I'm a, I'm good at live auctions. I'm much better at them. Uh, But there are some things you can do online. One of the things that I find to be most, important and i know this is going to sound super elementary but i think it's super it's really important if you're going into an auction and you're doing this let's say you're doing it on sleeper and you haven't done many auctions on sleeper go in there and familiarize yourself with the software because there's nothing worse than when you're in the middle of a high pressure moment and you don't know where to click plus one or how to type in your bid that stuff's it sounds elementary but you 100 percent have to do that ahead of time. And if you don't do it ahead of time, then log in the earliest possible moment you can for your draft. So let's say your draft starts at 7 p.m. and the draft room opens at 6.30. Be in there at 6.30 if you haven't had a chance to familiarize yourself. Just look around. Click on all the tabs. See what happens when you click stuff. Because I know that sounds dumb, but in the pressure moment, you'll make a mistake. And I can't tell you how many people complain to me that, oh, this happened or this happened. And it's just purely a mistake in an online auction room. And that drives me wild. Like, how can you want to compete but not care enough to check this stuff out ahead of time? Those are details, things that drive me nuts. That's number one. Number two is find out what site you're going to be auctioning on and take a look at their pre-draft rankings. Because people will be highly influenced by where the site themselves have them ranked, even if they don't believe those rankings they're still subconsciously influenced by that. So a lot of times when you're nominating, you can be looking at, well, by the time it gets back around to me, the top guys at each position are going to be gone because people are going to use that that um, that site, Yahoo or ESPN or whatever. They're going to use their pre-draft rankings. Um, as far as tells go, I think that 
the biggest thing that I always say is pay attention to how much people are bidding. And this is a lot easier live. But now with online stuff, it's kind of nice. A lot of the sites have when you bid, it puts your last bid up there. And so if you were involved in a player, uh, it'll show that you were involved, even if you've dropped out of the bidding. I think it's really important to find which players are really active on the bidding, but are either buying those players or not buying those players after being active. And that's really important because you can tell, hey, this guy's just jumping in and running the price up and then dropping out when he doesn't want them. Or, and this goes for live and online, do they nominate them and then end up with them at the end? Or do they nominate them and then just stop bidding? I mean, there's not a a more glaring tell than somebody who nominates a running back, like a good running back, say like Aaron Jones, and then they don't register a single bid. You know that they don't want that player. And you can tell them later on, is that all that they're doing? Maybe they're nominating a guy and never bidding on him. That's just what they do. So those are things that you can tell live or online by looking at their bidding history as each player comes up. So I like to have a little notepad next to me. And all the players, I like to say, you know, bids and never wins anybody or, you know, only nominates players, he wins. Uh, You know, I'll make little notes about um, this guy was super active early and then, you know, uh, just dropped out and didn't do anything, that kind of stuff. I'm taking notes the whole time. And and the last thing I'll say, I know I've been brambling a lot here, but the the last thing I'll say on online stuff is a lot of people believe – that if they let the clock run down to one or two seconds and then hit their bid, that that's somehow going to discourage you from then bidding against them. Like, hey, this guy's never going to give up. And, oh, I almost had him. And then he bid with one second, and then they think you're going to get frustrated and give up. I don't know that that works. But pay attention to the guys that do that because almost assuredly when they do that and they let the clock run down, it's not because they're hesitating. It's because they want the player. So I think that's a pretty strong tell on mine too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, it ties in a little bit with actually another point with talk about tactical nominations is I like to keep an eye on when people, especially in the UK, you always get periods where people go inactive and they end up on auto. Yeah. And it always happens because people aren't used to the three, four hour drafts that can happen in an auction. Um, so sometimes I play possum and knowing I'm not going to bid on anyone, go on auto just to make people think I'm really disinterested when actually I'm at a point in the draft where I'm quite happy just to sit and watch and get some information. Um, but inversely, there are players who just go, I, I just need to check out for like 20 minutes. And you can tactical nominate and be really careful to stick them with players that they really don't want and clog their roster because it's unlike... Uh, you know, they, they only get X amount of players. So you could clog them with players with tactical nominations mm-hmm. yep. um, where if they're on auto and it's a position they need, it will auto bid them to a certain level. And if you know the pre-draft rankings and there's not that many players left, especially towards the end of the draft, you can stick players with players that aren't any good because they're on auto. Yep. I love it. So uh, it's definitely uh, a great strategy point there. I think, yeah, on, online auctions are hard, but I think, as you said, notepad, loads of notes. Um, and I, I like to write down, I wrote a chapter in the Fantasy Football Playbook last year about what are some of the things I can find out about people? What yeah. team do they support? The amount of people that put their avatar as their favorite team 
is hilarious. It's like, okay, so you're you're a Buccaneers fan. Okay, so you're going to like Tom Brady, Mike Evans. So yeah. I know when all those players, oh, they could be, might not, it's not surefire, but they might be willing to bid a few dollars over um, the, the, the rankings uh, for those players. If you're playing with other analysts, look at their rankings. <laughs> That's always a good one. Um, I like to do that, listen to episodes where they do rankings or whatever. Uh, but just anything, anything like that where you can find, go on their Twitter, see what uh, players they like. Uh, if they talk about fantasy football, who are the players they're following? Who are the analysts they follow? Um, if they follow certain analysts, go look at their rankings. Go pull them. Go see who they value. Um, if they follow you, Drew, I'm just going to pull your rankings. <laughs> just make Believe sure. me, I've been hearing that. <laughs> yeah. I've been hearing that. <laughs> so I think that's um, it's definitely some advantages that you can have um, to make that work. Um, conscious of time because um, the Dynasty guys do start in a couple of minutes. So want to make okay. sure we get over to them in time but lastly before i go I just want to say thank you so much for coming on drew it's been sure. an amazing hour love to have you back uh, before the start of the season uh, maybe we can do Absolutely. an auction league for some of our listeners and they can play with you perhaps we can try and make that work yeah. uh, at some point this summer I'd love to do that if it's if it's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hit me up. I'm always available. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm taking until mid to end of May off, uh, going on a vacation with the family, recharging for the three month uh, stretch run. Amazing and well deserved as well. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find the pod, where they can find all your work with football guys and everything else. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the chance to do that. Um, yeah, check out my podcast called The Auction Brief. You can just search that anywhere you find pods. And uh, like I said, I'm on a bit of a hiatus right now. I'll be back in a little bit, but I'm loading up the big guests this summer. You know, Dave Richards coming on, uh, Marcus Grant, uh, you know, Josh Larkey, some of those guys. Um, and so we're loading up guests right now for that. The Auction Brief pod on Twitter at Drew Davenport FF. And then now I get to plug my TikTok. So uh, head over to TikTok, the Fantasy Football Lawyer on TikTok, and check me out there. And all my writing is on football guys, and I'll be dropping 12 to 15 auction articles minimum uh, this summer over on Football Guys. Amazing. So go check that out. Go check out Drew at Drew Davenport FF. Thank you so much for coming on, Drew. Uh, really appreciate you, buddy, and, and look forward to doing more drafts this summer with you for sure. Um, Rush Nation, don't go anywhere. Um, in just a minute, literally one minute, Liam and Rich are going to be here and they're going to take you through um, some amazing Dynasty content. So please don't go anywhere. Just switch over the video uh, on the channel on, and please get uh, give them all the love and support because they're putting out great content. And so until next, well, actually Thursday, got a very surprise uh, guest in episode to celebrate draft day. So tune in for that one. Uh, but as always, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.